Welcome back to this week's episode of the Seatown Podcast, where Seattle business owners, entrepreneurs, and community leaders are invited on to share their stories with us. I'm your host, Christian Harris. As the owner of an indie real estate brokerage here in Seattle, I'm naturally interested in various communities around Seattle and what makes each of them so unique and distinct. And local businesses and organizations play a large part in shaping the flavor and character of the neighborhoods that we love so much. So join me as we talk with these fascinating people and explore their stories of why they started their businesses, run their nonprofits, or otherwise are making an impact in the Seattle area. Today I'm joined by Greg Bennett, the Executive Director for 100 for Haiti, uh, who is also a public speaker for, uh, for corporate events and, uh, and the like. Um, we met through a mutual friend, Christian Castro, uh, you know, because I, as a relatively new uh, business owner for, for the, uh, the real estate brokerage, you know, wanted to do some philanthropy work, and he said you, you're a great guy to, to partner up with for that. So. Awesome. I appreciate it. It's sure. great to be here. Yeah. So maybe you could give us a little background on you know, a little bit about what you do for you know, public speaking, how you got into that, and then how uh, that, that led to the 100 for, for Haiti uh, work you do. Sure. And you know, it's interesting. They're almost separate in a way. I started uh, as a performer when I was about 13 years old and quickly realized that people pay far more attention to ideas if they're entertained at mm-hmm. the same time. So currently, I, I speak in two different realms. One is the association, corporate, sort of special events market. And then the other is doing spoken word at small, do-it-yourself, independent, oftentimes punk rock-related events sure. around the world. And they're very different, but they're similar in a way. Just communicating ideas is something that's really important to me. And having people connect with ideas and, and to do so in a way that is entertaining and engaging for them. So it's not just words, but actually uh, you know, just genuine, heartfelt inspiration is really important to me. So that's always been the course of my life, is communicating. Haiti came up somewhat differently, but it's related in that after the earthquake in Haiti in 2010, because I make my living speaking, means I don't have a day job, right? Sure. And when the earthquake happened, I had therefore the time in my calendar and schedule available to actually go to Haiti to help. And some friends and I sailed on a sailboat loaded with about 10 or 12,000 pounds of supplies and food And as far as we know, we were the first private relief boat to hit the southern coast of Haiti. Mm -hmm. And once there, and once seeing the situation in Haiti, and I'd been before to Haiti, before the earthquake, but seeing the circumstances under which friends were living in, or trying to live in, after the quake, I realized I had to do something more. Mm -hmm. And while everyone was paying, bless their hearts, lip service to, oh, these poor Haitians, we have to do something, the do something, oftentimes I felt, and the threat of this was in me as well, was just going to be clicking on likes and sending money to these giant sure, you know, multinational right. charities. The, the classic raising awareness without actually doing anything tangible. Yeah, or yeah. sending money to like these giant charities that, you know, that burn away X percent in administrative fees. And mm-hmm. I just thought, you know what, I can do something direct with the ideas that I've learned from the punk rock scene and the sure. ideas I've learned from the do-it-yourself culture and formed 100 for Haiti as a means of addressing issues in Haiti, albeit only a couple of them, in a direct way, mm-hmm. albeit on a small basis, but with heavy and powerful impact. Yeah. What, what are some of the, the projects you've, you've worked on? I mean, from, from talking with you, you know, it sounds pretty unique in the sense of uh, you're small enough that you can change with the needs as opposed to one organization's right. like, this is all we do, and we just, you know, even if that's not the biggest need, this is what we do. Exactly, yeah, it's, it's small, like this kind of, uh, you know, uh, respond directly to Haitian-inspired needs is, mm-hmm. is important, you know, that's kind of the idea. So the, the initiatives, there's two. One is called the Rural Water Project. In the north of Haiti, 
cholera was a huge issue a couple of years ago. And some friends of mine, a group called Peacework Medical, started an initiative where they were helping Haitians build cisterns so that naturally occurring springs could feed into cisterns and then have the water be treated in those cisterns if cholera was to rise into the, um, into the, the, the water table, uh, sure. from the water table into, into usage. And these, these uh, cisterns were really effective. Well, when Peacework decided they wanted to leave Haiti and they were done, I asked if we could take over the 20-some cisterns that they had built and you know fix the ones that were broken and then from there start building new ones. And the project's been incredibly effective. We've got over 40 sites at this point, all requested by Haitians, all built by Haitians, all managed by Haitians. Uh, we simply provide the funding and you know a little bit of inspiration, but they've, they're inspired on their own. I mean, we're just sure. here to support. But there have been no cholera deaths in, in the Rankite region of Haiti since the start of the Rural Water Project. So that's what we're trying to maintain. Uh -huh. In the south of Haiti, where sexual assault has been rampant, the, there is a, uh, a, uh, an initiative called GTPE, which is an acronym in Creole. It stands for the Working Group for the Protection of Children. So they didn't have any funding for their anti-sexual assault programming and education, uh, education initiatives in the south of Haiti. So 100 for Haiti funds the entire anti-sexual assault education initiative of GTPE. Okay, wow. It's the first ever one of its kind in mm -hmm. the South. Okay. Now, how uh, I mean, how is 100 for Haiti largely funded, and, and how do you uh, kind of balance out you know your speaking gigs with you know your work with with that organization? Sure. Well, the speaking gigs come in when they come in, right? Okay. Like it's sure. it's totally conceivable that I've gotten an email while we're speaking that says, "Hey, are you available on this day to do a speaking gig?" Mm -hmm. It's more conceivable that I haven't gotten one of those emails, but <laughs> let's, let's hope that we do. Yeah. Um, let's hope that I did. But. Uh, it's funded entirely by donations, entirely by individual donations, with the exception of uh, one corporate sponsor who's lush, I'm happy to say. They're brilliant, and they've, they've funded uh, 100 for Haiti this past year in, in, in large part. You know, they gave us a, a chunk of money, yeah. and they were so cool and said, we don't need to be acknowledged. We don't need you to recognize us. We simply believe in what you're doing and want to support you in part. Awesome. So, yeah, with the exception of Lush, it's all been individual donations, okay. and it's all the result of people listening to a podcast like this saying, wow, I want to check out 100forhaiti.org, which mm -hmm. is our website, and get involved somehow, whether monetarily or with people's time or energy. So it's sure. entirely funded by individuals. That's awesome. It is a good chunk of that, uh, you know, outside of, you know, Lush, just kind of people coming upon the, the website or, you know, hearing via podcast or like reoccurring it's, a, it's kind of both, right? Okay. It's, uh, you know, as, as in any business and any advertising, it's all about impressions, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, the reason that if you and I were to go out right now and decide that we want to buy, uh, you know, for example, a, a jacket, the reason we might buy New Balance, say, is because we've seen that 85,000 times and those impressions lead to us thinking that we have original ideas. Um, <laughs> but it's not the case, right? Yeah. So, uh, so with 100 for Haiti, it's the same thing. Hey, everybody, I did this podcast. Hey, everybody, you know, you know, so-and-so, my friend Chris, will be speaking about 100 for Haiti. Hey, this band is on tour. They're talking about 100 for mm -hmm. Haiti. And in time, people hear about it, check out the website, and then sign up for, you know, recurring monthly donations or a one-time donation on some small or sometimes larger levels. But largely, 100 for Haiti is maintained and sustained by people donating $5, $10, $20 a month, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Lush's donation, which was generous and very helpful. But it's really just the individual donations, month to month, that keep us going. Because uh -huh. no one's paid with 100 for Haiti. I mean, it's all, you know, it's, it's all volunteer. Sure. So, like, the, the actual 
work is is volunteer all, all and then all it. the I mean, money goes to the supplies and yeah exactly it takes to, yeah. yeah meaning that you know me being here like i'm not paid to be here today sure. right um, sure sure you know the the only administrative expenses are things like you know we have to register with the state each year you know or pay our taxes that kind sure. of thing but other than that no it's not like we have a 100 for haiti helicopter and we're flying around and doing all this craziness no it's all the money you know gets sent down to haiti sure now you, you mentioned uh briefly kind of the uh Involvement with you know, the kind of punk rock scene, spoken word and stuff. Now you're you're still involved with it, right? You you're absolutely in, yeah. You're in a band. You've been doing that for what, like forever, 20, 20 yeah, years forever. or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, as part of that, you know, is there uh, kind of mention of that and, and support, you know, of you know the, in the punk rock scene? Totally. You know, and, and one of the misnomers is that the right word? One of the um, the wrong ideas about the punk rock scene is just mm -hmm. a bunch of lunatics screaming crazy music and beating each other up, right? But, you know, at, at the core, and this is, you know, I know that, you know, the the, um, the folks who are listening to this are probably, you know, you don't have this, you know, punk rock demographic, right? So I'll just... Uh, we might have an underground. Who you knows? never know. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> um, but, you know, at the core, the ideas behind punk rock music or that scene are, are independence and, and doing things on your own terms. Sure. And the, the creative expression of your... Uh, truest ideas or convictions, right? So it, it stands to reason that things like 100 for Haiti, initiatives like that, uh, work really well in, in, in terms of being communicated in the punk rock scene. People connect to it really yeah. readily. And that's why I've had a number of bands, like there's a band in Seattle called Wake of Humanity. There's a band in Detroit um, called Hollow Earth. And they go out on tour and when they go out, they have a banner and they set it up in front of their merch and they have a little container, say for donations, right? Which sounds very cute, like maybe they'll get a couple nickels and dimes thrown in. Hollow Earth just paid for uh, at least one, if not two, of these cisterns to be built in Haiti in the Rural Water Project from donations from people coming to their shows, throwing money in at the merch table. Yeah, so that's awesome. So these little mentions and and bigger mentions along the way all add up to actual results for actual people in Haiti. Sure. doesn't get too much more grassroots than that. It's totally grassroots. Right. I mean, it's, it's great. And I think that people want that more and more. I mean... Uh, you know, I don't know about your listeners, but I'm, I, you know, I'm almost bored to tears by the just the, the constant homogenization of news and ideas and the way that I get information. And it's like right. I feel like a drone, oftentimes. So to have somebody say something to me that's genuine and real, mm -hmm. in a way that's genuine and real, really speaks to me. Like if somebody's you know comes up to me at a, a show or speaks from the stage and has true conviction, catches my attention. It makes me go, oh, okay, I want to actually pay attention to this rather than just absorb this. Like you know, Greg, human being, one, three, four, sat, you know, dash A, right? Which is how I feel all the yeah. time. So, yeah. um, now, what do, you, what do you love most about, uh, you know, whether in uh, your actual, you know, speaking business or with, uh, with running 100 for Haiti, what, what's, what's the most enjoyable aspect of that for you? I'd say with, with the speaking business, the most enjoyable aspect, other than the answer you'd expect, which is I love when I'm on stage and the audience is getting something out of it mm -hmm. and we're laughing or we're having a fun time or some idea really resonates. Aside from that, I love the challenge of being an independent business owner. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's impossible. It's the scariest thing in the world. Like it's, it's a, a constant relationship with terror. And I always tell people that when they say, I'm thinking of starting my own business. I say, establish a personal, intimate, <laughs> and deep relationship with your own terror. Yeah. Because there's gonna be a stretch where all of a sudden you're like, wow, I can't believe it. Uh, so much money's coming in, this is incredible. Mm -hmm. And then there's gonna be much longer, absolutely random and unpredictable stretches where you're like, wow, uh, if somebody has a Cheerio, I'd gladly eat it because I'm starving. Um, <laughs> so you just never know what yeah. to expect. And these are obviously dramatic you know, examples. But 
there's an inconsistency to it. Sure. Which it's a roller coaster up it, and down. It's yeah. a roller coaster up and down, and I love it. I love the challenge of it. I mm-hmm. love the unknown of it. I love the every day is an adventure and every day is different of it. I love it, love it, love it, love it. I can't get enough of it. So uh, so that's my favorite part of it. It's just okay. the unpredictable what's happening next, but I'm you know kind of steering this thing, but I'm not, and you know, it's like a metaphor for life. It's just fantastic and confusing and it's great. Sure. With 100 for Haiti, it's, it's, it's similar. The idea that a group of committed individuals can change the world, quote unquote, is an inspiring idea, right? And 100 for Haiti certainly isn't just me. If it was just me, I would have folded it long ago. I just mm-hmm. couldn't, I just couldn't maintain it. Um, and while the initiatives are focused, and while there's really two, um, there's just way too much to do if it's just one person. Sure. So people like yourself, People like my friend Nathan, people like my friend Cameron, uh, you know, just all these folks who are contributing to 100 for Haiti in some capacity make it feel like, wow, we're really doing something. And then when the Haitians write and they say, hey, we've just built this water tank, this water system with money that y'all raised Mm -hmm. and it's made our lives better, then I know we're really doing something. Or when I get pictures of the GTPE trainings and people are saying, People are asking questions like, wow, we didn't know how to define violence, and, and, and is this something that's happening in other communities as well? And the training spread, mm-hmm. then I know we're impacting lives. So just that idea of this is, you know, that on our own terms, we, without a roadmap laying out the future for us, can affect change, real change in people's lives. Yeah. That's inspiring. And again, I don't know what's coming next. I mean, you know, some donor might listen to this and be incredibly inspired to donate, or People might just spread the word or nothing. The unpredictability of it is, is pretty fantastic, though. Sure. Sounds like uh, tying the two things together is kind of this, this passion, desire to make impact for individual people's lives. I love it. Yeah, yeah I love it. And, and, and it's very easy. Everyone wants to help people. I think that, you know, inherently, there are very few people in the world who wake up in the morning and like, you know, I'm going to beat somebody down today. I'm going to destroy somebody's life today. I mean, that's, that's less common than the alternative, even if we disagree with the person we're talking about. Sure. Traveling all over the planet, and I've been, you know, at this point it's insane. It's like 30, 40 countries. I don't even know how many countries I've been to at this mm-hmm. point. I see similarities, commonalities all over the planet of people wanting good for other people, a sure. willingness to help other people, a willingness and desire to support and uplift other people. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we all feel that, but to see actual tangible results of that desire is just, whether in my audiences and you know at some convention where I'm speaking, or at a punk show where I'm speaking, or yeah. in Haiti where our collective influence has had impact, that's just it's immense. I mean, it makes it makes me feel like my life has meaning, you know, which is great. Sure. Yeah. You don't yeah. you don't get very far in life without uh, addressing kind of that, that meaning factor. I mean. Oh yeah, we need it. We <laughs> yeah. we we're meaning hungry creatures. So right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, and I I I'd, I'd agree with you that uh, I think. There's very few people out there that you know don't want to help people or see you know a positive impact. But there's definitely a spectrum, you know, from people that think that just you know liking something online is enough to people actually willing to give money to probably the next step of actually give time. Which as Americans, it, it seems easier to give money than time. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, and, and it was great that if that then money and time can go to organizations that you know the vast majority of the resources actually go to helping the people as opposed to supporting the organization, you know. Uh, and, and you know what? There, there are major organizations that do great work, sure. right? Yep. You know, you know if, if, if there was somebody, you know, if there was somebody who, who had lost a leg 
and a major organization, I don't want to name anybody, but a major organization had helped that person in a medical situation in a dire crisis mm -hmm. to you know, get a prosthetic leg, that person would never say, hey, argue against that major organization, right? They sure. helped my leg, you yeah. know, show me how wrong they are. But as a general concept, I like the idea, if I'm gonna to donate to something, of knowing that the money is going towards what they say it's going to, yeah. and going towards, rather than, rather than, rather than overhead. Right. Marketing for the organization. Mar marketing, yeah. Sure. I mean, our, our marketing is, is Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, basically. That's sure. it. Stuff know? like this is free. <laughs> yeah, stuff like, this, yeah. stuff like this is free. Exactly. <laughs> right. Um, now, on, on the speaking side of things, you've, you've talked with you know, a lot of you know, big and respected corporations, um, but, but which of your speaking engagements did you enjoy the most? What was your, what was your favorite and, and why? I got to say, I did one a couple weeks ago that was, that was my favorite. So, so it's interesting, right? You know, it, it's this catch-22. On one hand, you're always waiting for the major corporations or the big conventions or the big events to, to call because uh, the money's good and you're comfortable doing the events. But at the same time, it's sometimes the smaller events that are, are more inspiring in a way, and, and not even more inspiring, just more, um, more heartfelt. Like, you know, I did, I did a conference, I won't name the company, but I did a conference in Southeast Asia in Singapore a couple years ago that was a huge, huge event for all of the representatives of all over Southeast Asia. And in speaking at this event, it was, so structured that I was told how I was to talk from the stage, right? I was told how I was to engage with individuals. If I wanted to invite someone to the stage, I was told exactly how to word how I invited them to the stage. And it was down to the minute. By the time I got on stage, I was so frazzled that I didn't even know who I was, right? Yeah. But from the corporate standpoint, they were satisfied in that they had defined everything. Nothing about that is artistic. Sure. Nothing about it is artistic, and, and it doesn't strike me as human. And they paid me, and I got to fly to Singapore and stay in this hotel. I would much rather do the event that I did a couple weeks ago, where a woman from high school who owns a travel agency on the East Coast, I'm happy to say, Largay Travel, uh, this woman, Amanda, who I went to high school with, mm -hmm. found me online uh, by way of Facebook. And while I don't use Facebook for business, it's just for friends. She saw a post that I posted about uh, an event that I did, thought it was funny, and said, hey, we're doing a retreat, because they're a high-end travel agency. Mm -hmm. But she and I grew up together in high school. She said, do you want to come out and perform and speak at this event for us? And I said, sure, and flew me out to the East Coast. It was a great event. I mean, don't get me wrong. It, yeah. I'm not juxtaposing corporate with Largate Travel. In fact, Largate was great. Yeah. But point being that I, I flew out there, and it was so much like a homecoming. And she was the only one I knew at the entire event, mm -hmm. but it was so much like a homecoming. And I was able to speak and able to present with such authenticity and such connectedness. And it was so fun and so funny, not because I'm so fun and so funny, but because everyone was so just in the moment and we just laughed together and it was unbelievable. Just a couple weeks ago. Uh, more of those, please. Yeah, if, yeah. if anybody from high school is listening and you now have, <laughs> you have company events that you're doing major conventions for, please hire me immediately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just great. So th th I, love, I love connection. Just connection is what does it for me. And, and, sure. and of course, maintaining a bit of the artistry as well, like the, uh, the ability to, to see and transform the world um, by way of words into a, a, a new reality. And that's what happened that night at Largate. Like by the time I left that event, we all felt like, wow, life feels different now. You know, it had been transformed. So that was really fun. Yeah, sounds like that's, that's awesome. Yeah. 
So you've, you've told us a little bit about what you love most about, uh, about speaking engagements, about 100 for Haiti and, and just life in general. What have you found to be some of the more challenging aspects of, of owning and running your own business or being the, the ED for Yeah, for well, I, you know, from, from, the, from running, running your own business in terms of the speaking side of things, um, let's say, let's say there was an apocalyptic event, okay? There's a tidal wave and it, it you know, wipes out most of Seattle or something. No one is going to be running around, I might argue. And uh, a friend of mine actually argued against this recently when I said the same thing. But I said, no one's going to be running around saying, everything's been destroyed. Somebody find me an entertaining keynote speaker, right? <laughs> they're going to be running around saying, you know, where is the food? Who can build us a structure? Yeah. Um, I said that to my friend who uh, actually works for the mayor. And she said, I disagree. There's, we're going to need somebody to tell us passionately what happens next. And I was like, good point. Sure. We all need hope. We all need hope. Yep. Good point. Okay. I, I stand corrected. But the, the, the point is the same in that. If um, years ago I, I was uh, 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 close with a hairdresser and I was explaining to her that if you went up to 100 people on the street, handed each of them a, uh, a business card and said, your hair looks great, but it'd be better if you came to me. You're going to get what, 60, 70 new clients out of that, 40, 30, I don't know, but a ton, a massive return on your business card investment. Mm -hmm. If I go up to 100 people on the street and say, hey, if you need a really engaging keynote speaker for your next event, call me. 99 are going to say, what are you talking about, weirdo? Mm -hmm. One's going to say, yeah, my cousin Larry went to a convention once. I'm not going to get any business out of that. Right? I have to do 10,000 or 100,000 business cards. Mm -hmm. That's a huge challenge, right? Trying to find events and figure out where the events are okay. and market to them. Um, huge challenge. Drives me crazy. But um, part of the, like I said before, the engagement and the fun and the challenge of it. Mm -hmm. With 100 for Haiti, I would say the biggest challenge is keeping the energy going, keeping news flowing that's authentic because what I never want to do is send out some superficial update just so potential donors get an update. I mean, and I know this is audio, so I hope that my voice is conveying my cynicism about the idea of BSing the people that you care about, right? Sure. Um, but, you know, hoping that the results support news that keeps people interested, that keeps donors interested, that keeps people inspired and energetic, you know, because I don't control that. I don't call the Haitians and say, hey, we've got these projects, produce results. It's not the model. Right. It's on their terms. Mm -hmm. And when news comes out, then we spread the word. But, you know, I'm trying to always think of ways to keep people engaged and have people get involved uh, on their own inspired terms without... Um, Without having to, uh, without having to do any sort of fabrication of, of reality. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So with both of those, I mean, it really comes down to keeping people engaged in being involved, or you know, needing your services for speaking, or being engaged, uh, you know, genuinely with with Hunter for Haiti. So I mean, how do you how do you do that? How do you get in front of those people and, and provide authentic communication and, uh, for lack of a better term, you know, marketing, right? Yeah, great. To, to promote, you know. Sure. Well, with the promotion and the performance, I can, I can answer both uh, from both perspectives and I can do it pretty quickly. Um, the, the promotion of my speaking career is pretty limited, meaning I, I'm represented by a number of speakers, bureaus and that sort of thing. And, you know, I do some marketing, letting people know interesting things that have happened recently. But I never, ever pitch people for events specifically. I just, it's not my thing. It's not my passion. I don't yeah. wake up in the, I didn't wake up in the morning saying, I can't wait to pitch myself to a corporate event. It's like, I just yeah. don't, you know, but if I tell 
my last 10 corporate clients, hey, I had this crazy experience recently. I drove through a snowstorm for 10 hours in a one-way rental car in order to get to an event. It was wild. And if you ever have an event in a snowstorm, call me. Like that sort of thing would make somebody laugh and maybe they'll call me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, uh, I always... I, I always want, again, I always want it to be authentic and, and I always want it to be authentic and real. I have a little note on my door. Every time I leave the door of, of my place here in Seattle, it says, uh, preparation only prepares you as uh, far as the introduction. And what I mean by that is that I could in advance prepare for the keynote for months and months and months and months. But when I walk out on stage and they say, please welcome Greg Benick, bam, that moment starts authenticity that is in the moment created by the people of us for us without all the preparation mattering at all. Meaning, sure, the preparation gets me ready, but once I look out at the audience and make eye contact for the first time, all the preparation somewhat is out the window. I'm in the moment with the people. That's where the authenticity comes from. So transpose that all now over to 100 for Haiti. How do you create authenticity in terms of the marketing of 100 for Haiti? You simply tell people things that are real, like, you know, the social media guy of 100 for Haiti and I, we sit around and think, what's awesome? Like, what's truly awesome? What can we post about that's really, that we'd want to hear about? And those become the posts. If there's no news from Haiti, what else have we got? And if there is news from Haiti, how do we make it, you know, genuine for people and not overinflate it, but just tell them what it is and what it means to us. Mm -hmm. That authenticity and meaning gets conveyed. And, uh, you know, in, in terms of the actual work in Haiti, how to make it genuine and authentic, is by constantly asking questions of the Haitians and being willing to listen. What do you need? I know that I told you when I was in Haiti last year, Haitian friend, that it would be great to see 40 water tanks. How many water, how many water cisterns, you know, how many cisterns do you guys want? I I said 40, but I mean, who am I? I'm the, I'm the white dude from Seattle. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. you're the, you're the Haitian guy. You grew up in this community. Do you want 60 of these cisterns? Do you want 10? You tell me what the community wants. We'll make it happen. Always be listening. Always be asking questions. Haitian run on Haitian terms by Haitians for Haitians, and we are a support for that. Sure, that's where the authentic, authenticity comes from, and, and and why the work is effective. Hmm. That's great. Um, how, how often do you get a chance to to go back there? Um, pretty infrequently, in that I, I go once a year at least. Okay. Um, but I say infrequently because. I just don't want to burn expenses by flying to Haiti. It's kind sure. of like when people say to me, hey, I want to go to Haiti and help. And I think to myself, you're, you're beautiful. Why don't you just take the plane ticket money and donate it to what we're doing and I'll send that to Haiti because every body that goes to Haiti is a, let's say, 800, 900, whatever dollar plane ticket. And that's somebody now in Haiti doing work that a Haitian could have done that now an American you know, or, or European is, has flown in to do, right? Sure. After the hurricane last fall, people were saying, you know, hey, I can, I can build. Can I go to Haiti? It's like, that would be so cool, except for the fact that the Haitians are totally capable. They're, they're, they can build. You know, they might not have the wood that we have. They might not have Home Depot and Lowe's to go to, right, to buy the, you know, the new, brand new hammer to hammer in the perfectly straight nail to build with the perfectly, you know, treated wood their new house. But they got the skills, you know. They, they've been living, you know, under the sun for, you know, hundreds of years. They, they have structures. Mm-hmm. But if we go there, it means that then they aren't doing the building, right? Sure. So it's dis- work that they're not able to do. Yeah, and own it's and disempowering. Yeah, yep. it's disempowering. So, so I go as often as I can in order to be connected to the work that's being done. The people I work with in Haiti and who 100 for Haiti works with in Haiti, I trust completely, like absolutely rock solid. 
So it's not like I have to go every month and you know checks and balances and all that. Um, but I'm in touch constantly, mm-hmm. like every every week, easily every week. Okay. So, but I'll probably go at some point um, in the next handful of months, maybe by the end of the summer. We'll see. I try to coincide my trips to Haiti with with uh, mango season and avocado season. This is very <laughs> important. So, last time I was in Haiti, um, we were a couple times ago in Haiti, actually twice uh, ago. Uh, it was mango season. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a, a kid ran up to me and he asked me if I wanted mangoes. And I said, sure. He climbs up the tree, shakes the tree. 20 mangoes fall to the ground. 30 mangoes fall to the ground. We just scoop them up. We're sitting there eating them. And at one point, uh, somebody else had come up to me while walking through a jungle and asked me if I wanted to buy some mangoes. And I paid uh, $1, one US dollar for 20 mangoes. And um, everyone was laughing and I asked why. And they said, you know, basically, you know, we've, ri- you know, we've ripped you off, you know, you know, in a friendly way, you know, we, you, you've just, you've just paid foreigner prices essentially for this, you know, for these mangoes. And I tried to explain to them the concept of whole foods and the $2.99 mango and they had no <laughs> concept as to what I was talking about. Sure. Yeah. That's, that's pretty funny. So what, uh, what would you say some of the best advice that you've ever received? Wow. Best advice you've ever, you know, there was, there's a moment and this is, you know, it's personal, but I think it's meaningful. I was talking with my mom, who has, uh, you know, always been one of my best friends, and I was telling her all the things that I had done recently, whatever it was, I don't know, travel, who knows, 180, I don't know. And I got to the end of what I said, this tirade of exciting adventures and things. And she said to me, the shame of all this is that you doubt yourself. And I stopped for a second, and I said, what do you mean? And she said... She, she, I don't remember her exact words, but what she basically said was that the self-doubt that I carry in me about, oh my gosh, is, are we doing enough in Haiti? Oh my gosh, am I doing enough with my speaking career? Oh my gosh, am I doing enough in the world? Am I doing enough adventuring? That the cumulative effect of all of that creates actual self-doubt and that what she heard from me as my mom mm-hmm. over time was me saying, you know, gosh, I hope I'm doing enough. Oh my gosh, I hope I'm, I hope I'm, I hope, you know, I, I really want to... And what she was saying to me with this shame of this is that you doubt yourself was strip away, strip away the self-doubt. You're doing everything you can be doing. Get excited more about it. Do more of that and go bigger and just leave all the self-doubt and all the questioning behind. Mm -hmm. That was a great piece of advice. Sure. Human beings are inherently insecure, frightened, and terrified creatures hurtling through a seemingly meaningless world (laughs) towards an end that is unsure, right? And I say that flippantly, but at the same time, there's some truth to it. Meaning that we are, you know, we are insecure, frightened, and terrified, and we don't know when we're going to die. We don't know what's going to happen next. Sure. What right. has meaning? What doesn't? All, right. All that said, yeah. um, it makes sense that we have self-doubt and insecurity. But if we let that creep in and let it build and let it build and let it build, then all of a sudden it becomes the guide and the muse rather than the inspiration itself within us. Mm-hmm. That was a powerful piece of advice. So yeah, that's the that's forefront of my mind because I wrote it down on a little piece of paper. It's literally tacked onto the wall of my place and sure. I was looking at it last night. Sure. So how do you, uh, I, yeah, I mean, it's probably an you know, hour-long conversation. But, sure. You know, how do you take, you know, kind of sage wisdom, insight like that and and not live out of fear and, you know. Here's what I do. I, uh, I know that I'm always going to fail. I mean, I'm an insecure, frightened, terrified creature hurtling through me, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm always going to fail. Always going to fail. I'll walk out of here today and go, gosh, I hope those, uh, you, know, you know, I hope that interview went as well as it could. Right. And, uh, you know, but we're always going to fail. We're always going to fail. But with that idea in mind now, I get, as a human, 
to rationalize, which is something we as human beings get to do because mm -hmm. of our ability to just think, right, abstractly. I get to walk out of here and go, wow, I wonder if that interview was great. The interview was what it was. It was really cool and I had a good time with it and I hope that we get some people intrigued with the ideas. I always get to make a different choice other than aiming towards self-doubt or aiming towards insecurity. And being insecure, frightened, terrified creatures doesn't mean that we have to be insecure, frightened, and terrified as the guide of our lives. It means mm -hmm. we can make other, 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 other arrangements essentially, and connect with other people, and yeah. and and uh, and really and really be guided by 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 that which we choose, rather than that which creeps in in our subconscious. So I mean, again, it's just you know, it's a it's a choice. It's a con it's a, it's a conscious it's a conscious choice to work against the the messages that we tell ourselves, oh, I can't do it, I'm not good enough, all those sorts of sure, things. The internal narrative that's, yeah. Too fat, I'm too thin, I'm too tall, I'm too short, I'm too weak, I'm too rich, I'm too poor, all that stuff that's mm -hmm. in there somewhere. We just have to make uh, continual decisions and choices and know that we're always going to fail in doing that, always. Anybody who tells you otherwise is a psychopath. Like, I mean, we literally are, we're always going to fail. There's yeah. never going to be a time when we're absolute rock solid all the time, fearless, insecure, free, you know, come on, sure. always going to fail. Sure. But, Life is a conundrum of successes and failures and hopefully you're going in the right direction, you know, yeah. moving, moving the bar upwards, all. you know. Yeah. yeah. And when I say we're always going to fail, that doesn't mean, I'm not saying it with a frown or I'm saying sure. it with joy. It's like, congratulations, fellow failure, you know. This mission of like, you know, this mission to do our very best with the conditions we have. Mm -hmm. You know, you and I aren't going to be sitting here 10,000 years from now going, wow, it's amazing being so rich and so successful over so long. You know, this is not going to happen. Right. 100 years from now, you know, no one even remembers that we existed, maybe. You know, but uh, you know, maybe. We'll see. Okay. But, you know, hopefully in the, between now and, you know, whatever time we have left, we'll do something that feels good for us and allows other people to feel good as well. That's probably the highest order that we could hope to okay. achieve. Okay. Uh, do you listen to uh, to podcast yourself? I do. Okay. What what are? Top, have top you heard the S Town podcast? Good. It's good. good. Is it good? It's, it's so good. So good. <laughs> it's so good. In seven episodes, uh, that's that's a great one. Okay. Um, I listened to that for a while, and uh, you know, recently so, I haven't listened to any others, um, and I should. I really should because I've been. I, there was a few that I was recommended, and I can't off the top of my head uh, remember offhand what people have said recently. Other than, uh, of course, S Town, I listened to right away, and it was tremendous. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones off the top of my head. There was one. What was it? Um, how this works, or how? Um, oh gosh, how stuff works. I can't remember the name of it. Okay. Drawing a blank. I know there's a how stuff works. Maybe one that's, that's it. Okay. Oh, and somebody said the first uh, season of Serial was brilliant too. Sure. Okay. And then if you could recommend just one book for listeners, what would it be? Whew, man. Well, I would say uh, Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art is a tremendous book. Uh, okay. Pressfield in The War of Art talks about resistance, and he capitalizes it, um, saying that, it, that resistance within us is a, a, an actual tangible force which prevents us from doing the thing that we want to do. Again, talking about self-doubt or insecurity, yeah. that it's actually resistance, an actual force within us that, that works against us expressing ourselves creatively and expressing ourselves passionately. That's a pretty powerful book. That and Ernest Becker's The Denial of Death, which talks about some of the things I've touched on, how fear of death on a subconscious level causes us to um, act and react in ways which uh, you know are, are, are limiting, essentially, even mm -hmm. in the midst of... Uh, 
potentially full reality. So we've covered some heavy topics. We, we have. Yeah, we should have like a separate <laughs> one just to talk about the existential totally. experience of mankind. I, I, honestly, I expected we'd come in, we'd talk about 100 for Haiti, we'd talk about real estate, we'd talk about, uh, you know, some of the speaking stuff. But it's like, I feel like we've like, this is like a primer on like, uh, you know, existence and how to be within it or something like that. You know? Yeah. Uh, that's all. It's 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 kind of passion of mine too. So try try not to get too deep. But yeah. Uh, uh, so as we uh, we finish up here, what what is uh, a piece of parting guidance that you could? Uh, I mean, there's been so many good nuggets, but uh, if you could boil it down to one piece of parting guidance for the listeners. Okay. Well, let's go with what I was talking about before. In the midst of everybody waking up today saying, oh, I need to lose five pounds. I'm not good enough. I don't make enough at work. In the midst of all that, let's all make one choice today that counteracts that that does something in the world, whether that does something for us, something we've always wanted to try, a connection we've always wanted to make, something on behalf of somebody else, something creative we've wanted to see come into being. Let's all, every listener of this podcast, you and me included, at some point today, make a choice which counteracts the insecure voices which pop up within us. And then you have an email for the podcast, I assume? Mm -hmm. Yep. Let's have people write in and tell you what they did. What'd you do? Even if it was, you know what? I walked my dog in a park and had a carefree time doing it even though money is stressing me out. Mm -hmm. Or I wrote to that person I always wanted to get to know even though I'm convinced they're mad at me still because I stole their shoe in high school. Whatever it is, have people write in and say, this is what I did today. I would love to know what those things are if people write in. What'd you actually do, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. I think that's, that's uh, I think that's, um, I think that's that's real world stuff. It doesn't have to be you helped in Haiti or you, you know, did some nation building type of thing. Not that a nation built. Um, it could be something small. Counteract the voice. Write us. Tell us what you did. Yeah, no, that'd be great. Send send what you did to uh, Christian H at ctownpodcast com with a hyphen. Uh, that'd be awesome. So uh, what what would be, what, what do you want to promote as far as, you know, how people can either get involved with Hunter for Haiti or book you for a, a speaking gig? Totally. If people want to, if, if people want to book me, go to gregbenick.com, G-R-E-G-B-E-N-N-I-C-K.com. You can check out me there. Uh, 100 for Haiti is O-N-E-H-U-N-D-R-E-D-F-O-R-H-A-I-T-I. Two ways to get involved. One, of course you can donate. Of course you can make a recurring monthly donation, mm -hmm. but also... I can't remember exactly which drop-down menu at the top has it, but there's a uh, what we need list. Mm -hmm. And it's not things like we need 400,000 hospital gowns or some crazy thing like that. Sometimes it's like, hey, do you have ideas for how we can promote our website? Hey, do you have uh, a local radio show or know of a podcast that we could go on and talk about 100 for Haiti? Mm -hmm. If you do, let us know. There's a list, an actual downloadable PDF that has just an updated list of what people can do and get involved with. Uh, so I would love for people to go to 100forhaiti.org, look over the site, download the needs list, and then write us and say, here's what I've got, and we'll, you know, we'll make something happen. Be great. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Well, thanks for your time today, Greg. It's been awesome. And, Thank you. Uh, and for listeners, you know, stay, stay posted. Uh, Greg and I are you know, talking about some ideas of how Seatown uh, Real Estate and uh, 100 for Haiti can, can partner together to, uh, to make a larger impact. Great. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks. That wraps up this week's episode. Make sure to check out our guest's website, pay them a visit, and otherwise support what they're doing. If you have questions, know someone who should be a guest here or has a story worth sharing, email me at christianharris at ctown.com. That's S-E-A hyphen town.com. I would also be honored if you could go to iTunes and leave us a review and a nice five-star rating. We work hard to bring on great guests and provide exceptional content. 
and getting a review from you is one way to help the podcast rank well on iTunes so others can find and enjoy the show as well. You can also find out more about me, how my real estate indie brokerage and our conventional approach can help you with your Seattle and Eastside real estate needs and other projects I'm working on by visiting ctown.com. That's S-E-A hyphen town.com. Thanks for listening. Today's intro and outro music is courtesy of the Fascination Movement. You can find their albums in the iTunes store. The Seatown podcast creator and host is Christian Harris. You can listen to more episodes and find all our show notes on our website at seatownpodcast.com. That's S-E-A hyphen townpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in a week for our next episode. This has been a Seatown Media Production. Music